1: Hello and welcome to Straight Out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. On this, our final show of the year, we're looking back on Monday's win against West Ham, answering your questions and previewing the Blues festive fixtures. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Yes, hello again, listener. Matt Davis Adams here to talk you through another week in the life of Chelsea Football Club. I'll need some experts to help me do it. Luckily, I've got The Athletic's three wise Chelsea men on speed dial. Liam Toomey's taking a break from his holiday to maintain his 100% pod record this week. Liam, that's the greatest gift any of us could wish for this Christmas. Uh, let's hope it's worth your while.
2: I've been sipping pina coladas in my kitchen <laughs> and looking out the window at geese flying through the seemingly relentless northwest London rain.
1: <laughs> Listener, it is eleven twenty-five AM as we record. That just tells you what kind of twenty twenty it has been. Uh, Simon Johnson's been a busy boy trying to solve a problem like Kepper for the Athletic. Does, he, does your head hurt after that, Simon?
3: <laughs> it always hurts. It's a ho 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 for me, Matt. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: finally, the man who spent the last few days trying to forget what happened at Selhurst Park on Saturday delighted to be chatting Chelsea. Therefore, I'm sure. Hello, Dominic Fifield.
0: Sorry, what happened at Selhurst Park?
1: Uh, All right, before we begin, let me remind you that if you subscribe to The Athletic right now, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. It's the perfect present for any football fan this Christmas. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Wave goodbye to 2020. Say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of the Athletics' unrivaled football coverage for the whole year. It's the perfect present for yourself and someone else. Just go to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod. That's theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod and sign up now. Right then, about West Ham. So, after back-to-back defeats, Chelsea got back to winning ways on Monday night as they beat West Ham by three goals to nil. A late Tammy Abraham brace, adding some gloss to the scoreline after Thiago Silva's early header had put the Blues in front. Um, Simon, fair to say Chelsea just about deserved the win, though. Maybe the scoreline flattered them?
3: Yes. Yeah, just about. Um, I I thought West Ham were were very much worthy of a point um, until... Essentially, Lampard realised what was going wrong, which seemed to take a bit too long, in my opinion. That that Jorginho was having a bit of a stinker. Chelsea were losing the the, the midfield battle, um, but the moment that Conte was dropped back in front of the the back four and, and Kovacic came came on, um, Chelsea sort of wrestled control and and showed their quality. Uh, Pulisic, um, call Blimey, keep that guy fit. Um, that would be the wish for 2021, I think, for all Chelsea fans, and 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 the extra quality showed because you have to remember that despite all their pressure, West Ham didn't actually make Mendy make a save, um, but there were quite a lot of nerve-wracking moments, I think, uh, from a defensive point of view. So, yeah, this is my long-winded answer saying, yeah, just about, and I think it's the perfect Christmas present for everyone connected to the club because um, after two straight defeats, if they'd have made, if they'd drawn or lost then there'd be uh, a bit of crisis talk going into the Arsenal game.
1: Uh, Dom, Mike and James want to know why Mateo Kovacic is struggling for minutes. Uh, based on what we saw last night and what Simon just said, I feel like he's maybe moved ahead of Jorginho in the pecking order after after the West Ham game.
0: Yeah, you'd like to think so. I feel I feel a bit of sympathy for Jorginho. Um, he has featured in, in European games now and again, but his last Premier League start was, I think, United back in October. So he's hardly being a regular and finding rhythm particularly when you're coming up against a very very good player in in, in Declan Rice in direct opposition um it can't be can't be easy even for an international like him but that said Kovacic was unfortunate really in my opinion to to have lost his place after that little flurry of games that he had recently I thought he was he was he was working well in that midfield three with with Mount and Conte um as one of the number eight um and i I fully envisage him starting at arsenal on on boxing day just because he he provides them a bit more aggression a bit more energy um and forward thrust as well to to move that ball quick quicker um i you know i like him he was great last season he's he struggled at times this season to sort of Get back into that team on a regular basis, and it has been a bit mystifying at times. But, but yeah, I'd imagine now, given that his impact over those 24 minutes uh, on uh, on Monday night, that he will be a regular over the festive period to come.
1: Uh, Liam, the other big team news note, apart from your mate Kai Havertz being benched, was was Tammy Abraham being selected over Olivier Giroud. Obviously, that looks like a great pick when he scores twice, but but actually added a bit more mobility to the front line than, than we saw at, at Everton and Wolves in particular.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, Giroud has been in fantastic form scoring-wise over the last few games, but there's always a trade-off uh, to that selection decision. And I think when you when you go with Giroud, you do lose a little bit of the pressing from the front that Chelsea have otherwise had. And I I know that kind of pressing has dropped off across the Premier League. There was a very good Tom Werville piece on that and Chelsea have been part of that trend. Um, but Lampard still likes to see his team trying to win the ball back high up the pitch and and Abraham is certainly uh, more useful to that effort than Giroud is his movement is excellent I think what we saw in the in the West Ham game was more evidence of just how far his his link-up play is coming Um, he, he, he played a really big role in the what ended up what ended up being his his first goal um, laying the ball off on the halfway line with his chest or just inside the the West Ham half and then continuing his run into the box. His all-round play is just really good and I, I've tended to think this season as well that Timo Werner has looked better next to Abraham when he's been playing off the left. We know that's not Werner's ideal position but if he is going to play there, maybe he needs a, a striker next to him who can move around a little bit more and maybe create a bit more space for him to run into rather than the slightly more static presence of Giroud. Um, so for certain opponents, I think it works well and it and having Abraham leading the line against West Ham clearly paid off pretty handsomely for Lampard.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely. The only sour note was the early injury to Ben Chilwell. Simon, you've written about how that and the the absence of Rhys James affected Chelsea.
3: During the game, I, I just got that that vibe um, that neither of them were really joining the attack like we're used to with, with Chilwell and, and James of course Chilwell well, suffered the injury in the fourth minute replaced by Emerson and I think it contributed to Chelsea's lacklustre display going forward um, it wasn't the only reason why why uh, West Ham sort of had long periods of of the ball and, and Chelsea weren't visiting the final third but it was noticeable that Azpilicueta and, and Emerson weren't getting up up the pitch as much as um, the first-choice fullbacks, backs and, and the worry is, um, going into the Arsenal game, that it's pretty likely... Of course, we're still waiting, as, we, as we're recording this, to, to get official confirmation about Chilwell's injury. But the likelihood is is that neither Chilwell or, or James will face Arsenal. And, and I think Chelsea l- missed something significantly um, with those two not on the pitch. Um, Emerson he only provided two crosses... Um, during the game once he came on against West Ham looked a bit uncertain defensively as per the equator made some key blocks um, key key tackles um, defensively but going forward didn't really join in the attack and, and noticeably didn't have the pace to really join in the attack so it is it will definitely be a, a, a hindrance um, going forward so the, the sooner um, Chilwell and James are back the better although I hasten to add Lampard inevitably, when I asked him about it, sort of made out that his backup choices would would uh, still do a good job, but he has to say that.
1: Well, Hamish wants to know if Marcus Alonso's got any chance of a look in now. There's a no. pretty short two-word answer to that, isn't
3: there? <laughs> I made it one word. No, <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't played since West Brom since his uh, trip to the bus uh, at half time. So it look, it would be it would be remarkable. It would be. What one just purely sort of obviously out of the team discipline point of view that, that Lampard's clearly drawn a line in the sand, but but two he he's got to be drastically short of of match fitness having not played for three months.
1: So the win means that Chelsea are fifth, two points off second place, six behind leaders Liverpool. Liam, how satisfied do you think Frank Lampard will be with that at this stage of the season?
2: I think broadly satisfied. I mean, I mean no one except Liverpool has been anywhere near consistent really Um, and every team has looked very beatable on their day so to be six points behind the team that most people still expect to to be champions at the end of this year to be very much in touch with everyone else is is not too bad now clearly the the Everton and, and Wolves defeats changed the perspective that long unbeaten run, I think, well, it certainly had people talking about Chelsea's title challenges. I'm not sure they're being talked about that way right now. It gives them potential to to kind of make second place their own, at least in the short term, if they hit a bit of form, if they get ziesch back um, and really start to click and attack again. Hopefully, for, for Lampard's sake, um, James and Chilwell aren't out for too long. And this team can regain the kind of rhythm that we saw in October and November. The higher part of the Premier League table is is up for grabs below Liverpool, you would say. And so from that perspective, Chelsea have shown flashes of coming together into a decent team. And there's significant room to grow here.
1: What do you think, Dom? Is second place uh, the target for this season? Is, is it just about getting in the top four? The
0: reality is that no one's going to catch Liverpool I mean, and I, and I say this as a very bruised supporter of a team that the <laughs> seven to them on Saturday, but they are—they were in a different league, and they are now finding some rhythm, and they—I fully envisage that they'll—they'll—they'll they'll, they'll stretch away from from the rest. So, in that context, a second place finish would be impressive, not least because Manchester City is stirring at, at, at Chelsea's shoulder. Manchester United have almost without anyone noticing, just won six out of seven league games and have a game in hand and are already up to third. So um, finishing second above those two clubs would would be impressive, in my opinion. Um, this Chelsea team is still a, a team in development. We've said it countless times on this podcast it's they're not the finished article. There's still work to be done. There's, there's talent to be developed within the squad and there's... Talent to be brought in from without, with, from outside the squad, um, but it's all geared and going in the right direction. It's geared towards becoming title challengers again. But they are playing catch up to Liverpool, yes. And, and I, that, that, that talk of, of title success uh, and, and t- a title challenge was probably fanciful, in as much as it was for, in my opinion, nineteen of the, of the Premier League clubs, because Liverpool are streets ahead.
1: Simon, just lastly on the West Ham game, as you pointed out, first time that Chelsea have managed to beat another top-half team so far this season.
3: Is that significant? Yeah, I, well, if, if anything, just to sort of stop people talking about it, including ourselves, um, we, we've we've sort of um, highlighted a few times that Chelsea haven't beaten a, a top team um, in all competitions. I mean, even the severe win uh, was, uh, whilst good, it was a severe team that, had, that, that was much... Change. They've been rotated a lot of changes, so I, I think for confidence, um, it's good uh, going into the Arsenal game. Um, you know, West Ham have been in good form. They did the double over Chelsea last season. In fact, West Ham's record over Chelsea recently is, is has been pretty strong, and they're the kind of team that that Chelsea have struggled to beat recently, um, as we've sort of seen with Everton and Wolves. That that sort of team that sits back and. And, uh and makes life difficult for Chelsea to they don't have much room to play in so I, I think I think yeah it would be good for their for their confidence but I just want to do my almost weekly shout out to Tiago Silva <laughs> I, I just think he he deserves another mention because uh yeah of all the new signings um I, I think he's uh he's number one in my list in terms of what he's done for the club and and probably him and Reese james it's it if, if things carry on the way they are, it's between those two for player of the season come May. But that's a long way down the line.
1: Actually, we've had a question from Neil talking about Tiago Silva and, and he wonders if there's already plans to give him an extra year. I mean, it's got to be something that the club are thinking about, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's an option in his contract to extend it. So I think it's a case of getting around the table, also finding out what Thiago Silva wants, um, whether he's happy in, in London with his family, etc., um, happy at Chelsea but you get the impression um, that he's very much loving life at, at Chelsea the way he celebrated his goal uh, it was one of the loudest shouts um, in, in celebration I think I've heard I think Timo Werner looked a bit scared actually uh, yes. <laughs> when I watched the goal celebration but yeah I mean I, I think every everyone that follows Chelsea inside and outside the club has seen the huge impact he's made and would definitely want him to stay on another year because even if he plays a bit less next season with Father Time catching up. Um, his his impacts around the whole place is a positive one.
1: Well, the Derby's don't no stop coming for Chelsea. There's a big game against Arsenal on Boxing Day. We'll look ahead to that and the rest of the Blues festive fixtures next.
4: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: This episode is supported by Season 3 of
0: FX's Welcome to Rexham.
1: So, Chelsea will play three times between now and when we return, as well as Arsenal away on Boxing Day. Frank Lampard's side host Aston Villa and Manchester City over the next fortnight. And we'll start with the Arsenal game. Kicks off at 5.30 UK time at the Emirates on Boxing Day. Um, Dom, they're the ideal opponent at the moment, aren't they? Absolutely dreadful. I mean, they might beat Manchester City, I suppose, in the League Cup after we record, but it's, it's a good time to be playing Arsenal, it would appear.
0: Yeah, yes, on paper beware the wounded animal I guess. Um they they do look a mess at the moment. There's there's a lot wrong at that club from top to bottom really and on the pitch it's it's really manifested itself this season with a complete lack of confidence. They they look very very uncomfortable as a as a group and anxious in in their play. Um but, you know, they had their moments at Everton particularly in, in in sort of the latter stages uh, the weekend but you know I, I thought it was telling that when when those when those crosses were fizzing across the the six yard box there was no one in the middle even with lacazette on the pitch there was no one who was making those runs instinctively to to you know, darts into the into the box to try and finish them off it's they seemed to be completely gripped by um anxiety and Fear at the moment, and uh, that that is manifesting itself also with some of the utterances of of their head coach turned manager Mikel Arteta, who suddenly looks a, a man very much under pressure. And it's remarkable to see, given you know the, what was being said about him and what he was saying after the the win at Old Trafford, which was their last Premier League success. They've they are a mess, and and you'd expect Chelsea to be able to exploit some of that anxiety, particularly if they score first. But as Lampard suggested post-match um, after the West Ham game, you, it, it is Arsenal still. Uh, they, are, they do possess natural quality in, in, in their team, and that's the spine of the team actually doesn't look too bad on paper, it's just the way that they've been performing recently, so I think Chelsea still have to, to go wary of the threat that they, they could pose. And they've got to go, go all out f- to get that first goal because if, if they do that, then you, you'd like to think that that all that anxiety would flood back into Arsenal's play and and. Uh uh, and and then Chelsea should be able to exploit that. I can I can hear I can hear Adonis our producer wincing in pain at all this. I can <laughs> I can imagine he's bristling in the background and probably going to cut it all out. So apologies to Adonis, but they're a mess at the moment.
1: And yeah, he's got a bit more to endure, I'm afraid. Um, one positive for Adonis, Liam, might be that Chelsea's away form seems to have dropped off a bit. Unbeaten in the first five on the road in the league this season, keeping clean sheets in three of those. Now back-to-back defeats at Everton and Wolves. Was, was there anything in those two games you could put your finger on as a, as an area for improvement?
2: Well, I mean, at Everton, really that should have been a 0-0 draw. They give Everton a penalty. They don't really give them any other chances in the game. Uh, and then they lose in the, in the very last minute against Wolves, over-committing... And, and giving up a counter attack. So I think the biggest danger for for this Arsenal game is not necessarily any broader away trends. It's it's just that I think the way the way that teams have have succeeded against Arsenal recently is just to let them have the ball because they're not a dangerous team. They when they have the ball, they don't have much creation really in midfield. Um, that's certainly how Tottenham picked them off. So if Chelsea actually want to make this a slightly more comfortable afternoon, maybe they let Arsenal have the lion's share of possession and use the speed of the likes of Pulisic and Werner in transition. Maybe their passing might be a little bit more precise than it was against West Ham in those situations. They're finishing a little bit more clinical and, and they can really take Arsenal apart. But we saw last season that, that Arsenal can give Chelsea problems style-wise. And if Chelsea do try to play the game in the opposition half and and, and dominate the ball, then the speed of Aubameyang, um probably comes into play, despite the fact that he hasn't been in the best of form recently. So it's another tricky um, away game for Chelsea because it is a big London derby, despite where Arsenal are in the table. They've succeeded against Chelsea in the recent past and they might have to... Uh, drop back a little bit to go forward, <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: I'd, I'd be more worried about the speed of, of Saka and, and, and Maitland-Niles, who seem to be the the players, the the only Arsenal players at the moment who are capable of, of thrusting forward with, with any real threat. Um, but but Liam's absolutely spot on. Arsenal, Arsenal themselves want to play on the counter. You could have a, a situation where both these teams, neither of them wants the ball uh, on, on uh, Boxing Day. And it's, I mean, Arsenal haven't, I don't think they've won any of their their games where they've dominated possession this season. It's, it has been a ridiculous record. And when they had all those good results against the elite teams last season, when they were winning the cup final and beating Man City in the semis and Liverpool in the league, etc., they, they, they were always giving the ball up to the opposition and hitting them on the counter. So you've got two managers that are probably more comfortable doing that at the moment, which I guess could make for a fairly scrappy contest at times.
1: Uh, Simon, it's going to be a reunion with with William and David Luiz. I think Chelsea probably got the better of those two deals. What do you reckon? You think? Yeah, <laughs> I
3: think that's really controversial. Uh, <laughs> I, I just three think, years. <laughs> I just think, oh my word, what a near miss it was for Chelsea. As well, I, I think William looks like he's gone there to retire. It's I, I I know I know that he divided the fan base at Chelsea, but he did have. Um, I thought he had a very good season last season, but overall, but I couldn't believe that Chelsea were were even considering giving him a two-year contract. Perhaps it was because they were worried about letting too many wide players go, um, wanting that experienced guy around the camp. But I just think, you know, let him leave on a relative high of, of getting top four football and having a pretty good season because... The William William we're seeing right now is well, as the Arsenal fans are sort of saying on a on a weekly basis on social media or wherever you sort of get, get gauge Arsenal fans' opinion, he's having an absolute shocker. He looks totally disinterested. Yeah, he just looks like he's uh, been put out to pasture at, at, at Emirates Stadium. In saying that, he's probably going to play a blinder on boxy Day and uh, and, and lead Chelsea, uh, you know, to, to defeat. And as for Louise, he's had his moments, and of course he'll. He'll point to the FA Cup final win in in August as a as some sort of revenge, um, but really Chelsea saw the best of those two players, and and Arsenal once again it seems have got the raw end of the deal. Uh, when you sort of think of and um, Cech, you know he did reasonably well at Arsenal, but you'd you'd have to say uh, nowhere near uh, the level of what he had at Chelsea. And similarly, you think back to the the William Gallas, Ashley Cole deal. Chelsea certainly got the better of that one. And Olivier Giroud, of course, I think Chelsea have, have, have really benefited from signing in from Arsenal. So, um, yeah, Chelsea, in terms of their dealings with Arsenal, are definitely uh, smiling rather smugly from their executive boardroom.
1: Certainly are. Um, so after Arsenal then, Aston Villa at Stamford Bridge on the 28th. That's another 5.30 kickoff UK time. Uh, time of recording, Villa indecent, 4 unbeaten beating in three, clean sheets in all of those, so it could be tricky. Um, Dom John Terry, of course, part of Dean Smith's staff. Are we surprised that he hasn't got a manager's job yet? I know he was was linked with Derby, which, as we record, has still not been filled on a permanent basis, but but maybe thought he would have got in somewhere, Championship, lower-end Premier League for, for a job where he's the boss?
0: Lower-end Premier League might have been op- optimistic, um, Championship possibly, and at some stage, he, if, if those are his aspirations, and then he will have to take the plunge and... and and start applying for that type of job, um, and, and yeah, branching out and basically getting out. I think he's, he's he he will have definitely benefited from working with with Dean Smith in quite a tight knit unit at, at Villa. I mean, they've, he's been through the whole gambit of emotions there, really, hasn't he? I mean, he's, they, they have a promotion last year's nail biting finish. Will have would we'll have taught him again. Um, he will have seen how how clubs. Away from like the Chelsea the elite level, have to invest and in the type of players they have to bring in. So he will have benefited from that, and uh, and Villa have have definitely stepped up this season with with the the caliber of signing they brought in in the summer and and the progress they've made. Um, I mean, look, they've had the most eye catching seven goal victory of the season without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's it's all good. Um, but so he look, his, if if he sees his future in management, then then yes, he. At some point, he will he will fly that nest and 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 make try and make his mark somewhere else. But it has to be the right choice. And a fair few candidates um, have have tried at Derby. I mean, Frank Lampard was probably one of the more successful ones, and, and at least left under his own volition. But but other others have have, have struggled to make their mark there. Um, it's probably you know a club in the in the throes of a takeover as well. It's and, and with Wayne Rooney in situ and, and on site and familiar with that squad, he might be better placed to take that job anyway. Um, but John Terry's chance will come purely on reputation and and everything that he's learnt at Villa and the weight of his his playing day experience as well. So it, it's just a matter of patience and he'll make his mark if he wants to.
1: Another Chelsea-Villa connection, Liam, is Ross Barkley. Obviously, he's not going to play in this game because of the terms of his loan. And I know he's been out injured for a little while as well. But but in retrospect, now we're sort of halfway through the season. What do we think about Chelsea's decision to, to let him go out on loan? I'm, I'm thinking in the context of Havertz struggles in particular.
2: I don't think Chelsea have, have missed too much of Barkley's creation. They haven't often struggled for goals this season, um, even though Havertz hasn't hit his stride I think you need to be able to give him the minutes to to grow in the Premier League um, and as long as the team isn't struggling to score more generally I think uh, I, I don't don't see a big problem with with Barkley being at Villa at, at this point in time I was a little bit surprised at the time that Chelsea agreed to let Barkley and Loftus-Cheek go I thought it would be one or the other um, but they haven't they, they, they haven't been really caught short in terms of midfield numbers. Um, and also Barkley, I mean, he he was a good squad player for Chelsea, but it's not as if he was ever indispensable, which is part of the reason why he's on loan anyway. Um, he's looked very, very good at Villa. And I think actually his performances have, have shown that it was probably a good decision for all involved because he's playing really well off of Jack Grealish in quite a vibrant attacking team he can build up some value there and then when Chelsea want to reassess the situation maybe next summer they can either sell a player who who is worth more now than he would have been in the summer of 2020 or they can bring him back into the fold if they feel like they've got a use for him Uh, so so I actually think that the loan has been good for Barkley certainly good for his England prospects um, and from Chelsea's perspective good for his transfer market value and they haven't particularly missed him
4: this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to michelobultracom Ultra.com courtside to learn more
1: So after Villa, there's a massive five-day gap until Chelsea host Manchester City at the bridge on Sunday, the 3rd of January. Simon, this is one of Chelsea's most significant wins post-restart last season. City, pretty underwhelming for me, particularly in the Premier League. and Another opportunity maybe for for Chelsea to get a big three points against a a rival for the title or the top four, probably more realistically.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll I'll just quickly mention... um going back to villa we we should mention um transfer ban assist man bertrand traore um who who uh, who chelsea will be facing i think for the first time um in his career um so that would be uh, uh, potentially traore coming back to cost, uh chelsea's cost yet again but yeah going back to man city um yeah i've i've been pretty underwhelmed by them um look they when when you have someone like Kevin De Bruyne they, they they still have that that capability of 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 looking a class apart but that's that's mainly due to Kevin De Bruyne um but generally their their football this season has been a bit meh it's been a bit it it feels like they they've gone a bit stale um and it, and it's hard to put a thing on why i mean a, sort of aguero not playing so much I think it's definitely hurt them in attack because um, Jesus, he, he shows he shows moments, but I don't think he's anywhere near Aguero's class. Um, this is still going to be a very tough game, but one that Chelsea will look back to last season where it was very much a defensive performance and hitting City on the counter-attack, where the Lampard sort of goes with that sort of style of play again. But if they beat Man City, that will definitely get people talking about Chelsea as a as a major um force again not not so much title contender because as Don rightly says Liverpool are, are a class apart in this division but I think it's important for Chelsea's sort of psyche going into the second half of the season that they beat a genuine top team like West Ham yeah in the top 10 but I think everyone accepts they're not a top top team I think beating Man City would, would definitely uh give everyone that that belief that uh, that Chelsea can can take on their very best, especially with Atletico Madrid uh, coming to town, sort of a month or two later.
1: Uh, Nathan Ake will be back at the bridge uh, for the Man City game, uh, of course. Don, we spoke a lot of the time about Chelsea having the the option to maybe bring him back from Bournemouth. They probably don't have too many regrets about not doing that, do they? You know, pretty well stocked at, at centre half the way things stand, and, and Ake's done okay, but but not amazingly so far at City.
0: I guess we can say that now. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have have said that Chelsea would have been content with their options uh, at centre-back when there was all the doubt swirling around Antonio Rudiger's future, when we weren't sure quite how Thiago Silva was going to settle in and whether he'd be able to feature... You know, regularly in in this congested schedule, and I think there were still doubts very much on on Kurt Zuma and Andreas Christensen, um until quite recently. When, when with in Zuma's case, but Zuma appears to have grown as a player in in Thiago Silva's company, and that that has yeah has has eased the problem. And that's, they're still searching for long term solutions. It's, I mean, however brilliantly Thiago Silva does this year, and whatever his contribution can be next year. He's not a a long term solution to Chelsea's centre half issues, so at some point they will have to go either go back into the market or be sufficiently um, convinced that that a Christensen can step up and and become a regular again. And to be honest, I have my doubts as to whether that option will ever really be pursued coherently. So, you know, that it may be that in time, if if Nathan Ake somehow wrestles his way into the into the city starting lineup uh, ahead of the the likes of uh, Ruben Diaz and and Aymeric Laporte uh, and establishes himself there, then there may be a, a, a tinge of regret. Then, but you know, we can't say that at the moment because he's simply not doing that. He's he's a squad player at at City in a in a in a team that sort of seems to be juggling its selections every week uh, in a desperate attempt to build some proper momentum. Um, Chelsea will address the situation in time, um, and you know whether whether Ake was ever realistically going to be a, a first team regular at Stamford Bridge. I, I have my doubts on that as well, to be honest. Despite his sort of a lot of talk of, of him being the left footed centre half that, that that would have sorted the problem out uh, in the short term, but we'll see. Um, I'm sure Ake doesn't regret his move to City, um, and he will learn quite a lot with Pep Guardiola there. Uh, but again, it's in a developing team that that is struggling for, for rhythm.
1: Yeah, it's also worth pointing out that Chelsea have got a centre-half on loan at Swansea at the moment in Mark Gurhey, who's having a, a terrific season, did actually get a game for Chelsea against Grimsby in the League Cup last season, so he might be one who we see a bit more of uh, next term. Um, good though that that we might not see Sergio Aguero, Liam, because he usually does pretty well at Stamford Bridge and, and with David Silva backing him up, that gave Chelsea nightmares for a number of years.
2: Yeah, definitely. Two players that Chelsea could have signed um, before they went to Manchester City, which I'm sure makes the, their long record of decisive contributions uh, even more bitter to swallow over the years. But uh, we all know the quality of Aguero. And when you ally that with the fact that City seem to have stopped conceding goals, um, they've, they've adopted this really pragmatic tactical approach under Guardiola in the, in the last few weeks. Um, probably means that, that, that Chelsea could ha- have a much better chance of getting a nil-nil out of this game than than they might have done otherwise if Aguero doesn't play. Then basically all you've really got to worry about from them going forward is is trying to nullify Kevin De Bruyne. Which, <laughs> so Aguero not being there would be a big bonus for Chelsea. If he is there, then we could be set for a really good game um, because I, I think Chelsea could have Closer to their best team available again by that by that stage as well. You, ZS should be back. We're not quite sure about the full-backs yet. Um, but if if both teams are operating close to full strength, then that's the kind of game we want to see in, in the Premier League at this time of year.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we'll see how the Blues have gotten on and reflect on said results when we return the week after that City game, when we'll also be looking ahead to an FA Cup tie against Morecambe. Uh, now, elsewhere in Chelsea news, the women's team did indeed progress to the last 16 of the Champions League. Listener, you'll remember when we recorded last week's show, it was just ahead of their second leg against Benfica, five-nil up from the first leg. Julie ran in another three goals unanswered uh, for a significant aggregate victory. Draw for the last 16 of that competition, though, doesn't happen until February. The ties take place in March. Uh, the final league game of 2020 for Emma Hayes' team supposed to take place this past weekend against Spurs but was called off after a number of positive Covid tests amongst the Chelsea squad. As for the men's development squad, they ended the year on a high spanking Manchester United 6-1 in PL2 to ensure they stay top of the table going into 2021. Jude soon set bell amongst the scorers on his first start at under-23 level. Simon, that's a, a good opportunity for you to plug your piece on him again.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um yeah, I mean, the way he took his goal, um, as my piece says, that uh, his parents talk about how he um, studied and, and idolised Cristiano Ronaldo. Where it was, a, I know it was only under twenty three's level, etc. But let's just say it's a finish Ronaldo would have been proud of. It was a lovely little finish there, and 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 just shows at sixteen to be playing at that level. Um, just just how this kid is is really one to watch out for. He looks very confident um and yeah one to watch in 2021 for sure
1: yeah it reminds me a bit of Armando Brozier actually and the in- impact that he had last year and Brozier away with Vitesse at the moment uh, that's just about it for us this week and for this year though before we go let's hear what the chaps have got up on the Athletic for subscribers to enjoy um Liam nothing new from you I know because you're on holiday but I thought maybe you could pick out a piece that you've enjoyed writing this year that people can check out
2: uh, there's been so many actually given that there's there was an unforeseen global pandemic um I've, I've, there, there have actually been quite a lot of pieces that I've really enjoyed working on um, No excuses. I mean if you then. haven't <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you haven't read it yet I know a lot of Chelsea fans have but um the big piece we did on how Chelsea's recruitment works it was included in the athletics best of 2020 which um I was you know I'm, I'm privileged that I, w- I was a part of that because I, th- I think we ended up with a piece that we we're really proud of it tells people a lot that they didn't already know or wouldn't have already known about how Chelsea signed players and more recently I mean if you haven't if you haven't read it already then the, the piece I did with with some of Chelsea's academy boys looking at their dominant stretch in the FA Youth Cup run emulating the Busby Babes and the the success they had in the UEFA Youth League and just the the culture of Chelsea's academy that underpinned all that success, I think that that was a piece I really enjoyed writing. So give that a read.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed that one too. Um, Simon, is he, is your focus going to be on Arsenal for the next couple of days?
3: Uh, yes, you you might be seeing a an Arsenal piece with a twist. Uh, put it that way, uh, just a rather significant um, movement in terms of the uh, perhaps something that reflects the balance, the change in the balance of power. Uh, between the two clubs uh, I'll, I'll sort of be as cryptic and as elusive about what I'm writing about as that um, just because I don't want to um, give the game away as it were um, but in terms of pieces you can read now uh, there's the sort of a, the latest on Keppers situation um, the chance of him moving in January the, the, the difficulty of the world's most expensive goalkeeper trying to get a move in January and, and how he's handling um, what must be a very difficult situation of being the backup to, to Edouard Mendy. Um, it, it is clearly going to be tough for him to deal with, but uh, as sort of we've we provided some insight that he's he's coping as well as can be expected. Um, then, of course, another shout out for the uh, piece I did with um, Liam's help um, and Tom Werville's on Declan Rice, who I thought again looked looked quality looked at home at stanford bridge um which i'm sure both parties would love to happen one day um but i've written a big piece with those two guys um about declan rice's past how he left chelsea um what he could bring to chelsea if he joined and the chance of it happening in the new year so um well worth giving that a read if you haven't seen it already
1: yeah, it feels inevitable, doesn't it, that he will get a goal at Stamford Bridge after he had that one ruled out on uh, on Monday night, but maybe in a what Chelsea a shirt. <laughs> it was a good finish, wasn't it? You could see him already looking in Mason Mount's direction and then the flag went up. Oh, <laughs> <have> to wait. <laughs> um, how about you, Don? What's on your agenda?
0: Well, I, I did a, I contributed to a piece uh, entitled How Can Arsenal Be Fixed? Which I, I'm sure that the, the Chelsea listeners to this Chelsea podcast will be glad to hear didn't actually draw any Definite conclusions or, or any consensus as to how how that can be achieved. So um, you know, you know. Hopefully, they don't stumble across the answer before Boxing Day. Um, and I'm working on a piece on uh, players who might be not not necessarily bargain buys, but players that, that could well be on the move in, in January um, or might be entering the last six months of their contracts and considering signing pre-contract agreements with with potential Premier League clubs. Um, as part of our sort of opening of the window uh, series of pieces that, that, that kick in as of New Year's Day.
1: Excellent. Looking forward to reading those. Uh, Remember, right now, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. It's the perfect present for any football fan this Christmas. Wave goodbye to 2020. Say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage for the whole year. It's the perfect present for yourself and someone else. Just go to theathletic.com slash chelsea pod. That's theathletic.com slash chelsea pod to sign up now. Uh, listener, thanks so much for your support this year. Try and have a decent Christmas if you're celebrating. We'll be back early in the new year. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye.